Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. Welcome to the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy here in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, as we are coming to you live. We are so grateful that you've been with us. You know, last week, we completed our 52nd episode of Explaining the Faith series. Today is number 53. So God bless all of you. You basically have your first entire year seminary education. And so I really have covered, I think, in those first episodes, pretty much an entire year of seminary. And so I've given you a condensed version for what I learned. And we're going to continue today because today is a very special celebration in the church. It's it's the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So today, as you saw on your slide, we're going to be talking about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. What is it? Has it happened? If it hasn't happened, what do we need to do? And so let us begin with a prayer to our Blessed Mother in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Church, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we got some great people here today, like good Catholics. They're all pushed into the back. So we, uh, we're going to be with you here and uh, talking, as I said, about the Immaculate Heart. Now, I want to cover a little bit that I want to summarize that I've done in the last few homilies. <clears throat> so if you say, like, oh, Father, I've already heard this. No, I'm just summarizing the last few days of homilies that I gave because I think it leads into this topic today. I had said that the secular world, um, we've been talking about this, um, is now declaring June as Pride Month. And um, we love, we love everyone. This is not anything that we're, we're, we're focusing on criticizing people. That's not it at all. The issue with declaring June as Pride Month is declaring the action and glorifying the action that's contrary to the will of God. And so this is not about individual people. This is about a celebration of something that is not pleasing to our Lord. Um, we are all called to chastity, whether we're male, female, hom homosexual, heterosexual, whatever. We're called to chastity. So this is what I started with the other day, was the fact that we cannot rewrite the natural law. And I quoted Abraham Lincoln saying, you cannot, nobody has the right to do a wrong. Nobody. And the most clear case of that is right or wrong is the moral law of God. And so the answer <clears throat> to this is love. Well, Father, how can you tell me not to do something but love me? That's exactly why God tells us not to do something, because he loves us or to do something. All right, now, it starts with love, and where does love start? I said the other day in the heart. Now, the heart is everything. Today we're going to be talking about the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But before we can fully understand the power of that, we have to understand our heart. All right? My heart is who I am. It's where I live. It is me. It is you. Your heart is who you are as a person. All right? And a Mary's, Mary's Immaculate Heart is Mary herself. And Jesus' sacred heart is Jesus himself. 
It's the living embodiment of them. And so it is of you. So the catechism says that the heart is a place of the covenant. Why is the heart a covenant? It's because you, where you form relationships. Covenants are relationships. And so every relationship that you have is a covenant. And where's that formed? In the heart. Now, this is the human part of you, right? It's formed in the human person. So the heart is the place where love abides. All right, this is important. Where our Lord wants to live. Why? Because God is love and heart is love. That's what the whole thing is. The heart is the place where love abides, where our Lord and our loved ones live. All right, basically our true family. All of our loved ones are in our heart, whether they're biological or friends or family. Now let's look at our first slide. Here's the heart of Mary. This is the immaculate heart of Mary. All right, is where all of her children find a home. Why? She's our mother. And we just said that your heart is the home for your family. If Mary is our mother and we are her children of the church, that's home for us in her heart. The heart of Jesus, likewise, is also the heart or the place or the home for his brethren. We are the brothers, the brethren of Jesus. He is our brother. And so in his heart is also our home. Now, what about God's home? Likewise, his home is in our heart. How do we know this? Let's look at our next slide. Jesus said, whoever loves me will keep my word. Whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. John 14. All right. <clears throat> so the heart <clears throat> is basically the home of God. But why would God want to come into our hearts? He's going to find some pretty cruddy stuff there, right? Revenge, lack of forgiveness, lust, gluttony. Jesus said food doesn't defile us at what comes from the inside. So we got to clean up that heart. We need a heart bypass surgery. And that bypass is God. Now, why would God want to come? Simply because our heart is where God belongs. St. John teaches us that God is love. I said this, 1 John 4. And if God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, then God abides in him. We just read that. <clears throat> so God abides in us in the heart. And that is the person who keeps God's word. That's why we want to instruct those who are celebrating things contrary to the word of God, that love is helping somebody. Love is wishing somebody good. And it's not good for anybody to go down the wrong path. So when we say in a loving way to correct them, it's not because we're discriminating or hate them. It's because we love them. To love them is wishing they're good and wishing they're good is to not have them on the wrong path. That is what the heart is. And in the heart that obeys the law, God will dwell. But what law, Father? All right, the law of love. That's why we Catholics are all about works of love, not the law. The law is love now in the New Testament. All right, so it's the Trinity coming to dwell in our hearts. The classical term for dwelling in our hearts is sanctifying grace. 
How do you get into sanctifying grace? Confession. If you're aware of any grave sin. The heart then is important because that's the only way to heaven. Why? Because it's where God dwells and God is the way to heaven. Christ is in your heart. He's the way and the truth and the life. So our hearts become heaven, the house of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is on earth. What did he mean by that? The kingdom of God is on earth in your hearts. When we are in a state of grace, our hearts are like the holy of holies. They are the place where God is. And for this, we were created to exist with God, him to be in us, to live with God. And it's all about the heart. Okay. <clears throat> we, I said this yesterday, cannot assume that the Eucharist will always be safe in the tabernacle. Somebody can bust into this church right now and desecrate it. Well, they have to get through me first. But around the world, churches are being burned. Tabernacles are being stolen. Eucharist is being desecrated. There's no guarantee of safety in the tabernacles. The only place for the Lord to be safe on earth from desecration is your heart. Nobody can touch him. The hearts of the faithful. He cannot be removed except by you. This is powerful. So when we become holy, God dwells within us. Now and forever, nothing can take him away but you. We are called as Christians not merely to be good people. I said yesterday, people always say, well, Father, my son doesn't go to church. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't read the Bible. He doesn't pray, but he's a good person. Okay, that's a start. But that's good only on the natural level. That'll give you a decent life here on earth. But to get to heaven, we need the supernatural. We need God's grace. And this is what's so important. So the saints show us this. So to become holy as God is holy. You ever read that in the Bible? Be holy as God is holy. Be perfect as God is perfect. If you're like me, you're like, gee, I'm passing right over that Bible passage because there's no way I could be perfect like God the Father is perfect. You know what that means? When it says to be perfect as God your Father is perfect, you always read that and you say, well, I can't do that. So I'm skipping right over that one. No, what God means perfect is not making, a, not making a mistake. What it means to be perfect, God is telling us, is in your efforts to love. You have complete control over that. Whether you love someone or not, you have complete control. Love is not just an emotion, it's an act of the will. At your vows and your wedding day, you said, I will love you for better or worse, rich or poor, through sickness and health. You make a choice. That's what love is. So to become perfect or holy as God is perfect means that we love as he loves. We can love perfectly. And when we do, God comes and dwells in us. This happens, as I keep saying, in the heart. That is why we have the two incredible devotions, yesterday of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and today the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The first Fridays and first Saturdays are all about the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart. You've been celebrating those with us. But this is a special day. This is the annual feast, the annual celebration, solemnity, yesterday's with the Sacred Heart and today the Immaculate Heart. This is the one time a year that 
the whole entire church recognizes. First Fridays and first Saturdays, sadly, some churches don't even talk about them anymore. But this, yesterday and today, bam! This is why we're here. And this is what we're going to talk about. So, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Let's look at our next slide. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. That's the Blessed Mother Mary. What is the triumph of the Immaculate Heart? What is it? Our Lady at Fatima said, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. God wills this, not man. That came from the secret of Fatima, the second part. Now, I'm going to read you something that I didn't find until last night doing my research at one in the morning. One sentence of our Lord that summarizes the entire triumph of the Immaculate Heart. This is interesting. Devotion. Actually, you know what? It's coming up here. All right. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Devotion to the Immaculate Heart will be established. Let's go to our next slide. In the end, this is what devotion to the Immaculate Heart will be established. Mary said, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she shall be converted. And a period of peace, we're going to be talking about this, will be granted to the world. Have we seen this? You might be surprised. That again is from the second part of the Fatima secret. Now, I'm going to get to that one line that I told you that our Lord talked about that was a revelation to me last night. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead, but we'll get there. Jesus told Sister Lucia, I want my whole church to acknowledge, and let's see our next slide, because here it is. This was the, the sentence I was thinking of. Jesus told Sister Lucia, this is the whole triumph of the Immaculate Heart in one sentence from our Lord. I want my whole church to acknowledge that consecration, meaning the consecration of Russia, as a triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Okay, so what's the triumph? It starts with the consecration of Russia. In order to later extend its reach to place devotion to this Immaculate Heart alongside devotion to my Sacred Heart. That's the answer. What is the triumph? It's the consecration of Russia, and it's to make the devotion to Mary's Immaculate Heart right next to and alongside devotion to the Sacred Heart. Did you hear that? What's the triumph? It's the consecration of Russia, and it's establishing devotion to the Immaculate Heart right alongside devotion to the Sacred Heart. Now we're going to talk about this. All right. So Sister Lucia was told, pray very much for the Holy Father. He will consecrate Russia, but it'll be too late. Oh, it's too late. So now we're going to find out the consequences. Pius Twelfth, he did attempt a consecration to Russia, but it was without unison with all the other bishops. After John Paul II, let's look at our next slide, was shot. Here's a picture of John Paul II being shot. He read the third secret. 
the third secret of Fatima. And he said that Mary will no longer remain in the background. It's her time. It's now the time of Mary. So what happened? His first attempt to consecrate Russia was not valid because he did it as a personal act of devotion without the rest of the bishops. Mary wanted it done with the bishops. His second attempt on the one year anniversary of being shot on May 13th, 1982, he was shot May 13th, 1981. So in the one year anniversary, he tried a second consecration, but this was not valid because his written invitation to the world's bishops arrived too late. But let's look at our next slide. This is an awesome picture of John Paul. Many claim that John Paul II made the consecration of Russia and the world in his third attempt on March, the Annunciation, March 25th, 1984. I am not here to convince you whether or not the consecration was made or not made, and you'll see why. Because we can't control that. That's between the Holy Father, the bishops, and God. Unless you're a bishop, you can't control that. But I want to talk about this because I'm going to show you people who agree with Mosul being consecrated and those who say it wasn't. And I'm going to let you make the choice. Let's start with Father Mike Gately. He asked the world apostolate at Fatima, why in 1984 the consecration was emphasized using the world instead of Russia? And let's go to our next slide. This is their response. If Russia has been consecrated, and this was the world apostolate to Fatima responding to Father Mike Gately. If Russia has been consecrated or had been consecrated when Our Lady had asked, then communism would have been nipped in the bud and World War II never would have happened. Instead, because of the consecration's long delay, World War II did happen and Russia did spread her errors of atheism and communism throughout the world. Therefore, by 1984, not just Russia, but the whole world needed to be consecrated. That's why John Paul II said the world. So John Paul explicitly consecrated, quote, the world, as well as nations that particularly need to be thus entrusted and consecrated, which would include nations such as China and North Korea that certainly needed to be consecrated as well. Okay, so here you have the world apostolate of Fatima saying the problem was the consecration was late. Because it was late, Russia spread her errors. By this time, her errors are all over the world. So by the time John Paul II consecrates Russia, he's got to consecrate the whole world. It's like a virus. If your virus starts in your, in your, um, in your uh, uh, liver, or I don't know if a virus, bacteria, and then it spreads through your whole body, you're not going to just fix the liver. You've got to go to the whole body now. And so I'm not going to make a claim that Russia was consecrated or not today. So please, please, please don't flood my in-mail box with criticisms on this. 
I can't emphasize enough, I am not taking a side of whether or not it was been consecrated or not. I'm gonna tell you what the church says and you make that decision. But this is important stuff. All right, so what might the triumph look like? What does the triumph of the Immaculate Heart then look like? All right, even before World War I ended, Our Lady promised that she would come to make a request for First Fridays and a consecration to Russia. Why? To prevent World War II. And Mary did come. Our Lady came to Sister Lucia in 1925. She's already now a young lady. And she asked for First Saturdays. What are First Saturdays? We'll get there. And again in 1929 to ask for consecration to Russia. Now you can see Mary, what she promised in 1917 at Fatima, she's now delivering. She came in 1925 for the first Saturdays, 1929 for consecration of Russia, asking it to be done. Now, both Jesus and Mary appeared to Sister Lucia now in the 1930s, right before World War II. Because God's permissive will has to allow it, but his ordained will, he didn't want World War II. So he's asking for this consecration to stop it. But because we didn't do it, his permissive will had to allow World War II. So he came, Mary and Jesus came in the 1930s, one time more again, complaining that the requests weren't being done. First Saturdays, consecration to Russia. So the triumph could have happened in the 1930s and and World War II could have been avoided. This is all I'm taking this right now is from the writings of Father Apostoli, Father Mike Gately, others. Consider basically what Father Apostoli says. He says, consider the consequences. The Soviets ended up establishing the Iron Curtain, spreading all over Europe after World War II. Now we're into the 1940s. If Russia had been converted back in the 1930s, peace would have been given to the world, as Mary said. But the church didn't respond in time. Therefore, the errors of Russia spread, setting up all kinds of evil. This, and this is what our Lord is trying to teach us, that is why by then the whole world needed to be consecrated, as John Paul II said. But Our Lady promised, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. What does that mean? All right? In the end, what does it mean that her Immaculate Heart will triumph? She says, in the end, Russia will be converted and an era of peace will be granted to the world. I'm going to show you something in a minute from the most respected theologian that I respect in the church who said that's already happened. What, Father? What? Yeah, stay with us. Some say that the triumph began after the 1984 consecration because shortly afterwards the Berlin Wall fell in 1989 and in 1991 the USSR was dissolved by the signature of Gorbachev on what date? December the 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and he didn't even know it. You tell me, that's not amazing. So I'm going to show you a video right now of Jimmy Aiken. 
probably of all the current theologians in the church, the one I think I respect the most. You cannot go wrong by listening to Jimmy Aiken, in my opinion. This guy is so solid, and I want you to hear, I cut out a middle of a clip. Basically, he's asked about the consecration of Russia. He says, yes, it's been done. I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying what he's saying. And then he is asked by this woman, then why is Russia spreading all her airs around the world still? It's a three-minute video. Let's watch it right now and see his answer. Okay, um, it's just that the, the spread of Russia it seems like it's just everywhere, and that's that's where I was questioning it. You know, like it's everywhere. Well, like it's been like God has been taking out of like our public schools and things like that, and business. You know, like work, and oh, that's that's why I was asking was was it ever? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for a moment. Um, what the initial apparition of Our Lady of Fatima said, among other things, was that eventually Russia would be converted and stop spreading its errors through the nations. And um, this was said in 1917. So that's when the Russian Revolution happened and Russia became a communist state. And during the uh, subsequent decades, Russia tried to export the communist revolution and it was successful in doing that in some parts of the world. For example, to what's now communist China. It was less successful in other parts of the world but it did make an effort to export communist revolution and communist ideology through other parts of the world. Having said that, did Russia ever change course on all that? Was it ever converted away from, from communist ideology? Yeah, it was in uh, in 1989, and that's when, if you read John Paul II's book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, that's when he interprets the uh, conversion of Russia as dating to. So it ceased being communist. It uh, it's not a perfect place by any means, uh, but it ceased being communist. There was a religious revival there, and its active spreading of errors in other parts of the world in that way ceased. And there was then, as the apparition of Our Lady of Fatima said, a time of peace that was given to the world, which stretched over the 1990s before we then had a ne the next major global conflict breaking out with Islamic terrorism taking the lead. Um, having said all that, once you get a snowball rolling, it's sometimes hard to stop. And so even though Russia is no longer actively promoting it, uh, communist ideology in the world, there are still elements promoting it out there. There's still a secularization that's going on, which actually didn't even start in Russia. It started elsewhere and has continued to rumble around. So we shouldn't imagine that just because things are not perfect in our world and some things are even going downhill doesn't mean that it's all due to Russia or that Russia hasn't been consecrated. That would be an erroneous inference. So once again, this is not church teaching. This is just uh, informed commentary on some of these matters, but, uh, but I offer that for what it's worth. Okay, now that to me is an amazing video because what basically Jimmy Aching is saying is the fact that Russia was consecrated by John Paul. He's saying that that was shown because communism was basically for the time being pretty much eradicated. Communism was pretty much put on the shelf. 
He said there was a time of peace then through the 90s. So if what Mary said is true, we've already seen that. Now he recorded that, if you noticed, in 2016, five years ago. Unfortunately, I think if he was to re-record that, he'd say in the last five years, we've never seen anything like this. Communism has come back. So we had that time of peace, but we didn't do what we were asked to do. If Russia was consecrated, that was only half of the story. We were asked to have devotion to the Immaculate Heart and do our first Saturdays. If we haven't been doing that, is that the reason why communism is now rearing its ugly head again? One has to ask the question. All right, so this time of peace, he says. Now, peace according to the church, as I told the people here, doesn't mean just absence of war. <clears throat> communism was pretty much put on the shelf. It may now be returning. True peace requires a rightly ordered society, a society born on the culture of life created by this new evangelization. You know, I think what's holding this world on, I think what's holding this world together right now is that there are enough pro-life people. Yes, we are facing huge obstacles, but I tell you, we've lost some recent battles. We've lost some pro-life battles, but I believe we are winning this war. The pro-life is winning this war. And so is the triumph now beginning? Jimmy Akin says he thinks it began the fall of communism. So if that was the time of peace, what happens next is up to us. If we obey God, follow God, keep our faith, do our first Saturdays, there won't be any need for this to turn back around, but we haven't been doing that. We've been doing the opposite. We're celebrating this month as activity contrary to the will of God. We're glorifying it. So an era of peace will be an era of faith and justice, of mercy and righteousness. In 2016, we had the year of mercy. What did Jesus say? There will be a time of mercy, but after that will come. I will come as the just judge. We had the time of mercy, and it was after that that almost everything has been falling apart. God's giving us a warning. Am I saying this is the end? Of course not. Please don't write me letters. Please don't write to the bishops saying that Father Chris said this is the end. No, I'm not. I'm saying that God is giving us an opportunity to avoid these types of things. Prophecy is not set in stone. Pope Benedict said we have the chance, it's contingent, to alter history by doing our first Saturdays, praying the rosary for world peace, keeping our faith. We still have work to do. So the triumph of the Immaculate Heart has to involve the triumph of grace in your heart. It's gonna go nowhere if it's not in your heart. It will make them immaculate. The grace of God will make your hearts immaculate through the sacraments washed in the blood and the water of Jesus coming from his sacred heart. To pour that mercy out onto the world, we must make reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That's why we Marians have been pushing the first Fridays and the first Saturdays, and God bless all of you who are part of it. You're responding to God's call. This is so important. The triumph will then be the Immaculate Heart honored around the world in the same way as the Sacred Heart. That was that amazing statement I told you about about 10 minutes ago.
Jimmy Akin said, listen, this is private revelation. This is not official church teaching. So please don't send me those letters. I know that this is not official church teaching, but Our Lady and Our Lord have always worked through private revelation to give us the answer to what to do in the here and now. If it's approved, not don't get mixed up with all that crazy private revelation that somebody says Mary appeared to them and said, everybody's going to hell that doesn't say this prayer. No, 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 no. We're talking approved private revelation. All right, so the triumph of the Immaculate Heart will end the errors of Russia. What are the errors of Russia? It's mainly atheistic communism. This is true. But the errors of Russia, notice Our Lady didn't say errors of the Soviet Union, which came after Russia. She said the errors of Russia, which means both before 1917 Fatima and after 1917 Fatima. <clears throat> It isn't just simply post-1917 Soviet Union, but also what happened before in Russia. What are we talking about? Well, in Russia, prior to the revolution in 1917, they were losing their way too. They had belief that politics and economics were the most important thing in the world and it was adequate for everything. Errors, totalitarianism, the belief in the, that the state is God. That's the whole problem with with totalitarianism and Marxism. The state is not God. God is God. This is important. They can give the state godlike powers. So what's happening in the United States if we don't stand up? What other problems were going on in Russia? What other errors? When Mary says errors of communism, errors of Russia, what is she talking about? When she says that Russia will spread her errors, we just we don't think about it. What I just said, belief that politics and economics are the end all, get all. Totalitarianism that says the state is God and not God. Materialism, the belief that material goods are your key to happiness. Denying the rights and freedoms of the people. That's what we see stripping away from us right now, from the individual, like our religious freedoms. Unbelievable. You look at what communistic China and other nations are doing around the world and our administration's worried about going after little sisters of the poor? That's the focus of our administration, going after the little sisters of the poor because they refuse to distribute contraception? And yet look what else is happening in the world. It's beyond crazy. Please don't send me the letters that I'm getting political. This has to do with our faith. This has to do with our religious freedom. Please look it up in the catechism. As a priest, I'm obligated to tell you that, and I just did. <laughs> All right. Seeking, another error, seeking to dissolve the family. This is what's going on right now in these movements, these movements around the country. They're just seeking the, the actual manifesto online. You can read it online of Black Lives Matter, I have absolutely 100 support of all lives. Yes, Black Lives Matter, absolutely. But the manifesto on their own website says they support abortion, transgenderism, destruction of the nuclear family, removal of the patriarchy, and basically everything the Catholic Church stands for. This is not political. I'm a priest standing up here trying to defend the teachings of the church. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, or an alien. 
If you stand for life, the sanctity of marriage, and the preservation of religious liberty, which the church has defined as the three most important things, I am going to support you. If you are ultimately against pro-life, you are in favor of abortion, you are against the sanctity of marriage, you believe it can be redefined in spite of God's word, and the stripping of religious liberty, I am not with you. I am against you, and I don't care if you're an alien, a human, a dog, white, black, purple, or green. It's not about that. It's about the truth. This is what we're talking about. So we have to look to Russian history and the errors that she's been spreading. This is what Mary said. So before and after 1917, there were errors. So what do we find? There were two Russian revolutions. There was one in the spring of 1917 and one in the fall. The spring in 1917, that wasn't just a slide from good Christian living. That also was errors that slid into another error, more errors, atheistic communism. There was a transition from one set of errors, what I just read to you, to another set of errors. So Mary's trying to wake us up to this, to wake the world up to this. Errors. What are these errors, Father, you keep talking about? Schism. Schism in the church. Persecution of religious orders. We Marian fathers. You don't think I have a personal stake in this? We, every night in our evening prayers as Marian fathers, we read from the album of the dead. And we read about every Marian who died on that day in history, going back 350 years. And I can't tell you how many times I have read about my Marian brothers being put to death by communism. Put to death. Killed for their religious belief. So this is the errors Mary was talking about. The decline of morality and especially the occult. Same problem in Nazi Germany. I'm not playing favorites. I'm not picking on Russia. I'm giving you Mary's words. The occult was the biggest problem. Dabbling in the occult. You ever hear of a guy named Rasputin? Rasputin was the symbol of the occult. And this malaise that would soon lead to revolution in Russia. Let's go to our next slide. Here's a picture of Rasputin. Is that not a scary looking guy? That is a very scary looking guy. <laughs> he lived 1869 to 1916. Basically, he entered the court of the Tsar Nicholas II because he supposedly had healing powers. Uh, we could take the slide down now. We, he had healing powers, um, supposedly. So he got into the court of the Tsarist family, the Romanovs, and supposedly healed the son. He is known to have had some prophetic powers and he became a favorite of the Tsar's wife, Alexandra, Tsar Nicholas. And Rasputin became swept up in this occult and these events of the Russian Revolution that had already happened in the spring and then the Communist Revolution was coming in the fall. So two guys assassinated him, tried to kill Rasputin. He was poisoned by cyanide, but the poison had no effect. Sometimes when you're run by evil spirits, those types of things happen. The guys that tried to exterminate him were baffled 
that he wasn't affected by the poisoning. So they shot Rasputin multiple times, but he survived. He didn't die. They shot him again. He didn't die. Then they wrapped him in a carpet and threw him into the river while he was still alive. Freezing river. When they finally found his body, they discovered that he was still alive when he was in that river and he almost got out. He finally drowned. Now what happened, let's look at our next slide, 15 months later, is the czar, his wife, and all their children were murdered in the Russian Revolution. This is the Romanov family that you see on your screen. He was a major part of that family in the ruling of Russia. Now, Rasputin was known as a sexual predator. He foreshadowed in a way the kind of figures that we would see later in the church. Remember, the church is human and divine. In her divine nature, she'll never mislead you. She's always going to teach you the truth. But in her human nature, she will have problems. As a sexual predator, he then gained political influence. Sounds like some of the things we found in our church over the last couple of years, right? He combined political influence with debauchery, all while being under the understanding as a man of the church. Boy, didn't this kind of wake you up? He was supposedly a mystic and believed to be a holy man, but yet he was living a double life. Sound familiar? These are the errors that have even hit our church. In God's mercy, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart could bring an end to all of this error across the world, an error of peace. So, has the triumph happened? If not, when is it supposed to happen? Now, we talked about, Jimmy Aiken talked about a beginning of it. I should have rephrased. He didn't say that it had come and gone and it was done and over. He was talking a beginning of it. So although we mentioned that it may have begun, Pope Benedict said we would be mistaken to think that it's complete. The triumph of the Immaculate Heart, he says, is not complete. He said, may the seven years which separate us from the centenary of the apparitions at Fatima, so he was saying this back in 2010, May they hasten the, the fulfillment of the prophecy of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mary said, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph, but we don't know when. But I think it makes sense. And I want to tell you something that's really fascinating here. And I was talking with Chris Sparks. He's one of our theologians, and I owe him a big thank you. He really, really helped me here to understand, and we were talking about this, and Chris Sparks did a really nice job. And he proposes something that I couldn't agree with more. He says, you know, it makes sense that the triumph of the Immaculate Heart will happen in 2029. Now, this is not church teaching, but he said it makes sense. And I said, why? 
And he said, because it would be then 100 years after Our Lady officially requested the consecration of Russia in 1929. Mary didn't actually request it in 1917. She said she would come to request it. And she did in 1929. So if we take the 100 years from 1929, that would be 2029. I think that's very interesting. Now, am I saying this is definitive? Am I saying to write your bishop and say that bank on it? No. Please, I can't emphasize that enough. And I'm sorry to repeat things, but I have to repeat things because when I say things once and I get these letters and the letters are sent to my superiors and the letters are come in that are complaining, I realize sometimes I'm sorry. I have to repeat them because I got to make myself clear that that what I say it can't maybe be misunderstood. So Chris Barks, and I agree with him, says it really would make sense, not saying it's going to, but it would make sense to be in 2029 because that's 100 years later. Well, anyway, after 1929, in 1931 in Spain, our Lord told St. Lucia, or Sister Lucia, that he was unhappy with the failure of the popes and the bishops to obey his command to consecrate Russia. So by 1931, as we talked about it, it had not been done yet. Now, Sister Lucia, let's go to our next slide. She quoted Jesus by saying, on your screen, you can follow me. They did not wish to heed my request. Talking about the consecration. Like the king of France, they will repent and do it, but it will be late. Russia will have already spread her errors throughout the world, provoking wars and persecutions against the church. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Sister Lucia wrote this back in 1931, way before John Paul II was Pope. Now when you read that sentence from our Lord, doesn't it make sense what John Paul II did by consecrating the world? Because Jesus said, they will do it, they will repent, but it'll be late, and Russia will have already spread her errors throughout the world. Once the virus spreads, you got to go over the whole world to get it. The pandemic started in China. Are we only, only going to China to fix the pandemic now? If the pandemic only started in China, and then it spread all over the world, is anybody going to say, well, don't worry about the rest of the world. We just got to go focus on where it came from in China. It's too late. The virus is spread around the world. And this is what Jesus and Mary are saying. We gave you a chance to nip it in the bud in Russia back in the 1920s before World War II. Mankind didn't listen. Now it's spread over the whole world. So now we got to consecrate the whole world. I think that makes good sense. This is the position of my theologian, Chris Sparks. But I'm going to get you some other reasons here that some say it was not consecrated. So please don't write me those letters. <laughs> okay. The request, this is, this is very powerful. All right, so Jesus said this to St. Lucy, or Sister Lucy. Now, what is our Lord referring to here? He was referring to his sacred heart apparitions. In June 17, 1689, he appeared to Margaret Mary and said, I want France consecrated, the first daughter of the church. June 17, 1689. Our Lord had already been appearing to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque since the 1670s. 
But in 1689, he said, I want France consecrated to my sacred heart. Did they do it? No. For a hundred years, the kings of France did not obey. Then guess what happened? 100 years later to the day, June 17th, 1789, 100 years later, King Louis XVI of France was stripped from his authority and thus began the French, French Revolution. The same 100 years that we call in history's popular sci or, uh, history books, the Enlightenment, was really a time of darkness. Throw God out. So, if the fulfillment of Fatima may be as it was with the king of France, we got eight years left to 2029, the hundred years. Again, just my speculation, but I've read so much on Fatima and the triumph and the consecration. This, I'm just sharing with you what I believe. You, you can show me all kinds of documents from some church cardinal that's going to contradict that. I get it. That's fine. But this is not official church teaching, either my position or their position. It would make sense for that crucial time to be 100 years later from the request Mary made in 1929. The request wasn't made, as I said, in 1917. She just said, I will come and make it later. And Our Lady explained... In 1925, I want first Saturdays, and in 1929, I want the consecration of Russia. Now, Mary says, our responsiveness to her requests will affect the triumph. Hmm. Maybe we could see the triumph very soon if we start doing our first Saturdays. Well, Father, what about the consecration of Russia? Okay, let's just... Bear with me on one point here. Hypothetical, okay? I'm not saying Russia was consecrated, but let's make a hypothetical argument that it was, just, just for the sake of argument. Why then haven't we seen the, concert, uh, the uh, conversion of Russia and the, and the triumph of the Immaculate Heart? Well, according to Jimmy Aiken, maybe it's begun, but we don't think it's completed. Why not? Could it be because Mary gave two parts that needed to be done before we would see the full conversion of Russia and the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. There were two things she asked for, not just the consecration of Russia, she asked for the five first Saturdays. Are we doing that? Man, we're trying. And God bless all of you who have joined us in this mission. Because if that's what Our Lady's waiting on, because she just said it, our responsiveness to her request will affect when the triumph occurs, we should listen. So I said, maybe if we do our first Saturdays, we'll see it. Also, the daily rosary for peace in the world, that was mentioned at Fatima. Devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary alongside the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Jesus said that. So let's go to our next slide, the consecration of Russia. Now I want to mention who's in favor of it and who's against it. Let's start with those who are in favor of it. The Catholic Church, Father Apostoli, Father Mike Gately, a whole bunch of others. I'm just going to quote a few. I'm not taking sides here. There have been a number of consecrations of both Russia and the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary by popes. 
But according to Sister Lucia, as I mentioned, the 1984 consecration by John Paul satisfied the request of heaven. Now, I just gave you reasons to believe that maybe if we haven't done it and we're waiting for the 100 years, we should, we should, we should look into that. So I kind of look at it that if it hasn't been consecrated, Let's do those first Saturdays and what do they say? Hope for the best, but plan for the worst. <laughs> so we're going to hope that the consecration's been done, but we're going to plan like it hasn't. Do your first Saturdays. So according to Sister Lucia, 1984 consecration was done. And the CDF, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, in their document, the message of Fatima from June 26th, the year 2000, says, Sister Lucia personally confirmed that this solemn and universal act of consecration corresponded to what Our Lady wished. Yes, it has been done, just as Our Lady asked on March 25th, 1984. Hence, any further discussion or request is without basis. All right. Now, Father Andrew Apostoli, God rest his soul. Says John Paul II understood the consecration to have taken place because Sister Lucia confirmed it in letters to Father Luis Condor, who was the vice postulator for um, Jacinta and Francisco, their canonization. Father Mike Gately agrees with this in second greatest story ever told. Let's look what he says. Let's look up at our, our slides. Quoting from his book, Second Greatest Story Ever Told, on March 25th, 1984, in St. Peter's Square, with a crowd of about 200,000 of the faithful, with numerous bishops and cardinals present in union with all the bishops throughout the world, and before the Fatima Shrine statue of Our Lady, Pope John Paul II solemnly consecrated the world and Russia to Mary's Immaculate Heart, as had been requested by Our Lady of Fatima. However, unfortunately, because the Pope did not explicitly say Russia in his public prayer, choosing instead to use veiled references as Pius XII had done, some have argued that it did not count. Hmm. What does that mean? All right. He says, but it did count because the Pope implied Russia when he said, in a special way, we entrust and consecrate to you those individuals and nations that particularly need to be thus entrusted and consecrated. Father Mike Gately says he clearly intended to consecrate Russia, as did the bishops who understood this implication. And after the ceremony, when John Paul was thanks, thanked for consecrating the world, Supposedly, John Paul II said, and Russia. But I get it that many people point out Mary asked specifically for Russia. I get that. So rumors are still going on that had the Pope not done what was asked. To stop these rumors, Sister Lucia gave her own opinion in writing on August 29th, 1989. She said, Quote, afterward, John Paul II wrote to all the bishops of the world, asking them to unite themselves to him. He had the statue of Our Lady of Fatima from the Cova Diaria Chapel brought to Rome, and on March 25, 1984, he then publicly, in union with those bishops who wished to associate themselves with his holiness, 
Let's look at our slide right now. Let's see what she said. He made the consecration in the way in which the Blessed Virgin had wished that it should be made. Afterward, people asked me if it was made in the way Our Lady wanted, and I replied, yes, from that time it is made. This raises an important question. The consecration was made, but it was late, as we said. And Mary had said this. So we shouldn't expect things to turn out the way they would have been if the consecration had been done on time in 1929. The point was it wasn't done in 1929. It was done at all. It was done decades later. So our Lord wants a response of faith. Without faith, action can't happen. We can't have miracles. So if Russia is consecrated, why then is there no conversion of Russia and no peace? Well, Jimmy Aiken said Russia really did kind of convert when it dropped communism. And there really was an era of peace in the 1990s into the 2000s. But Father Apostoli said, maybe there's not quite yet. Because Our Lady didn't ask for just one thing to convert Russia or for the conversion of Russia, but she asked for two. She asked for both the consecration and the first Saturdays. So the first Saturdays are not simply being done. We're not going to see it. And we should do the five first Saturdays regularly. If you've already done them once, keep going. The once is for your personal salvation. You do the five first Saturdays more than once, it's for the world's peace. So, many say that the consecration has not been made because we've not done the first Saturdays. If this is the case, we are responsible. All right. So both are needed. The time of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart depends on it. So let's go to our next slide. I want to read you something real quick. All right. This is a quote. I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia. This is Mary at Fatima to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturday. She's saying I need both. In my request, if they are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spend her air, spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will suffer and nations will be annihilated. All right, we've talked about this. But many believe that the lack of the first Saturdays, not the consecration, is the reason we have not seen the triumph fully of the Immaculate Heart. The conversion of Russia is dependent upon both, as I said. So it may be the laity holding up the triumph, not the Holy Father. I'm just giving you the opinion of Father Apostoli. All right. Thus, many stand with the Holy See, like Father Apostoli. They trust in the discernment of John Paul II, the, asser as as the assertion of the congregation of the doctrine of the faith that said it's been done, John Paul who said it's been done, in the message of Fatima released by the church in 2000 that said it's been done, and the connection and the consecration that has been made, and the letters in which Sister Lucia also declared that heaven accepted it. All right, so those are the cases for it. Let's go to our next slide. What are the cases against it? There are two I'd like to address, because a lot of people, you follow them. Father Gruner and Father Gobi and the Marian Movement of Priests. I think this is important. Let's talk about Father Gobi, the Marian movement of priests. His claim was that the consecration of Russia had not taken place. But asked how we knew that, he said, well, just my own private revelation. So it's not church teaching. There was never approval by the Holy See. 
this, the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith advised the book publisher of Father Gobi to announce that they were only to be read as his own meditations, not as messages from Our Lady. So be very careful here. I'm not saying he's not a good man. I'm not saying that you can't get something out of there, out of his books, but the church is saying you can't read them as a statement from Our Lady. They're from his own meditations. So the Marian movement of priests, oh, they're good people, they're great people, but neither them nor Father Gobi is fully approved. They had a priest called Father Rue from the uh, Marian movement of priests, and he was quoted as saying, quote, the congregation of the doctrine of the faith has advised that the writings of Father Gobi are not the words of the Blessed Mother. Wow. But his private revelations and meditations for which he assumes all theological, spiritual, and pastoral responsibility. Yes, it is true that this is the only advice. This is only advice and not binding by the church. They're just suggesting it. But when a highly recommended group like the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith recommends it, we should be listening. They've asked that the locutions be presented as just messages that he feels he got, uh, but not as messages directly, definitively from Mary. But his own meditations, Father Gobi's just his own meditations. It is reasonable to put stock in advice and the church is giving advice. Don't treat it as actual messages from Mary. So this movement of the Mary movement of priests, although they're great, they're good people, they do good things. They're insisting on proclaiming the authenticity of Father Gobi's locutions despite the specific request of the CDF to do otherwise. Mm, that raises some questions. Just be careful. What do you mean, Father? What are you talking about? What kind of teachings? All right, I'll give you just a couple. According to him, Mary said Jesus would return in the year 2000. He wrote that, that Mary told him Jesus would return in the year 2000. That would be it. Well, didn't happen. Plus, Mary wouldn't say that. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Message 532 says that in part that the triumph will happen by then. All right. Well, if he ties that to the coming of Christ, the coming of Christ hasn't. So Father Gobi said, quote, the return, the second coming of Jesus in glory will take place before his final coming for the last judgment. That's completely against the catechism. The Catechism says the last judgment will come when Christ returns in glory, not after. It goes against the creed. The Apostles' Creed says he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Scripture also verifies the last judgment will take place at Jesus' second coming. So what he said is not in line with church teaching. So Father Gobi, good man, but he said at the coming of Jesus in glory, there will be the final resurrection of only those believers who died as martyrs. Their role will be to partake in the sovereign earthly reign of Jesus Christ for a thousand year period. That's Protestant. The rule of a temporary kingdom on earth for a thousand years is condemned by the church. It's called millennialism. It is not church teaching. Christ has already reigned in the church. So Father Gobi's explanation of this thousand-year reign clearly falls into the category that the church rejects. So I'm just 
not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's not a good man. I'm not saying he's a man of God. I'm just saying this is not privately approved revelation. So Father Gobi, his message 532 says, for instance, we'll see a new heaven and a new earth in the year 2000. We didn't. According to him, this will occur prior to and without need of the final judgment. As I said, the church doesn't say that. Scripture and catechism go against it. He also claimed that the fire that will prepare the world of the new heaven and the new earth is only spiritual. But the catechism says very clearly that the elements of this earth will be dissolved in fire and that the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. Father, where are you coming up with this? 1 Peter 3.10. It says there will be fire. Gobi says there won't be. I'm going with scripture. They say there will be real fire in the end, the catechism and the Bible. That's what it says. It's called conflagration. So these errors that were in Father Gobi's writings were not part of the imprimatur. People will write me and say, Father, he got the imprimatur. You can't say what you're saying. His explanations here were not part of the imprimatur. All right, let's go on to one more real quick. Another person who's against the triumph or the, um, I'm sorry, the consecration of Russia's father, Gruner from Buffalo. They mail me his stuff all the time. God bless him. I know you, you mean well. Let's take a look at our slide. That's a picture of Father Gruner. Now, according to the Catholic World News, Father Gruner was suspended by the church and died suspended. I know I'm going to get a ton of letters on this one. I'm going simply by the Catholic World News that reported it. He devoted himself to promoting his own interpretation of the message of Fatima. He's the one who says Russia was not consecrated, but he, he promoted why and how as his own interpretation. His magazine, the Fatima Crusader, Please be careful. All right. It's a radical message that brought him into conflict, a lot of conflict with the church. Just be careful. The Vatican upheld his suspension in 2001. The church says that his work doesn't have ecclesiastical approval. So whatever the facts, please, I'm just telling you to be careful. Father Gruner and those with him, did show some disobedience to the church, and that's always a bad sign. The fruits are always in obedience. Ask Mary. <laughs> so we Marian fathers, when we faced those situations, we obeyed. Do you know the divine mercy was banned for 19 years? And then in the 50s and 60s, why? In the 70s. Why? Because of a faulty translation. But we Marian fathers completely obeyed even though we fully believed in it. We were told not to promote it until they could look into it. And they did. 19 years later, the ban was lifted. It was a faulty translation. What about Padre Pio? He was forced to confine to his monastery. He believed. He obeyed. Blessed Solanus Casey from Detroit, my hometown. Always go. If you haven't been there to his soup kitchen, awesome. His tomb's right there. He was made a simplex priest. He obeyed so on. All right, so what do we do? Getting near the end here, what do we do? We await the fulfillment of this prophecy. This is speculative theology, so views will differ. Again, I can't say it enough. I know you're going to write me and you're going to point out some cardinal somewhere who said something different than what I said. 
I get that, but this is not definitive church dogmatic revelation. It's private personal revelation that, however, has been approved by the church. So therefore, I am talking about it. Now, we know that what we have to do. Our lady came and asked for specific things. So we listen. If we listen to her and we'll do what she asked, there will be peace in the world. What did Mary ask? This is where we're going to finish. Mary asked to pray the rosary every day for peace in the world. Are you praying the rosary every day for peace in the world? Join us online. The consecration of Russia and each of us to be individually consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But you haven't thought of that one during this talk. All this talk about the consecration, consecration of Russia. How about the consecration of your, you to the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Have you consecrated the Mary Mac, uh, to Mary Immaculate? Because part of what Mary said at Fatima was us to give her our hearts. Powerful stuff. So do we do our duties out of love, dedicating everything to God? Do we make reparation for the sins against the Immaculate Heart? by observing the five first Saturdays. Last couple paragraphs. You guys have been great. Hang in there with me. Let's talk about that. Let's go up the slide real quick. The five first Saturdays, as Our Lady explained to Sister Faustina. Basically, what are the five first Saturdays? You go to confession or make your act of contrition. Receive Holy Communion or do a spiritual act of communion. Again, if you can't get to church. Pray the rosary and meditate 15 or more minutes on one or more of the mysteries. Five times consecutive, five First Fridays. Now you do it once, Mary promises you salvation, or I shouldn't say she does, God does, but she'll intercede for you. She'll be with you at the moment of death. But do it again and again and again to get peace in the world. How do we know this? Let's look at our next slide. See my daughter, this is Mary talking. Do we have the slide up? See my daughter, my heart encircled with thorns with which ungrateful men pierce it every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. She's talking about her precious immaculate heart. Do you, she's talking to Sister Lucy, at least strive to console me? Tell them that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, all those who in order to make reparation to me on the five first Saturdays, first Saturdays of five consecutive months, go to confession, receive Holy Communion, say five decades of the rosary, and keep Mary company for 15 minutes meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. Why five first Saturdays in particular? Jesus explained this to Sister Lucy in 1930. He said, there are five kinds of blasphemies against my mother's heart. He said, there are blasphemies against her immaculate conception. That's one. Blasphemies against her perpetual virginity, two. Blasphemies against her divine maternity, three. Blasphemies that are instilling hate in children against her, that's four. And blasphemies for those who revile her sacred images. Spitting on her statues, tearing them apart. So Jesus said, here, dear daughter, is the motive that led the Immaculate Heart of Mary to petition me, Jesus, to ask for the small act of reparation. 
and out of regard to her to move my mercy to pardon those souls who have had the misfortune of offending her. Wow. Our Lord's offering you complete clean slate if we do this. As for you, Sister Lucy, seek endlessly with your prayers and sacrifices to move me to mercy in regard to those poor souls. Wow. All right. So we have one last slide left. It's actually two slides because it's a, it's a quote. I think this is all wrapped up in what? The second part of the secret of Fatima. You ever hear first secret, second secret, third secret? There's actually one secret of Fatima in three parts. So this one secret of Fatima, second part, has it all. Let's look up on your screen. Mary said, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. The war is going to end. That was World War I. But if people do not cease offending God, a worse war will break out during the pontificate of Pius XI. That was World War II. When you see a night illuminated by an unknown light, know that this is the great sign given you by God that he is about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, and persecutions of the church and of the Holy Father. To prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the five first Saturdays. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and though there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world. We've talked about all of this. Causing wars and persecutions of the church. This is what's happening in the church, the communist influence. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to offer. Various nations will be annihilated. But in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. We don't have to fear these errors of Russia. We don't have to fear them. They'll never bring down the church. When I say that the influence on the church doesn't mean they're bringing down the church. Jesus promised they will not bring down the church. Let's finish that quote. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me and she shall be converted and a period of peace will be granted to the world. We've talked about all that. So to summarize, some say we have seen the beginning of the triumph with the fall of the Soviet Union on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, 1991. The USSR was dissolved. Some say there was, therefore, Russia was consecrated by John Paul in 1984. So Russia was consecrated and it was converted when it left communism. Then she said there would be a time of peace. Some believe that there was for a couple decades from the 90s into the 2000s. And an incredible number, this is my ad. You know how I believe that this may be possible? Because of the incredible number of people consecrating to Mary. Thank you, Father Mike Gately. I think he was used by Our Lady 
And I know he knows he was used by Our Lady, but I wonder if he has any idea to the magnitude of how he was used by Our Lady. What an amazing endeavor he took upon himself to bring the consecration of Mary to the world. He's a Marian priest. That's why we Marians are right in the middle of this. And you are part of it as our Marian helpers. Powerful stuff. So I think the very fact that so many around the world, millions are consecrating to Mary is setting the stage for something, something called the triumph. So many people consecrated to Mary in the 2000s. Hmm. Is she getting us ready for something? I don't know. But devotion to the Immaculate Heart is still not yet mainstream. We can't stop. We have to keep going. And the Sacred Heart devotion is losing ground. Churches aren't even celebrating it. Masses aren't even offered for Friday, first Fridays or first Saturdays. We have to talk to our parishes to get this going again. We must continue the first Fridays and first Saturdays to make reparation to the two hearts. The triumph may happen when the Immaculate Heart is honored alongside the Sacred Heart, as Jesus said, that's the triumph. And when the heirs of Russia lose their power. Again, these heirs of sexual revolution, sexual confusion, divorce, contraception, all these things perpetuated by these errors are still common. We have to realize their lies. This errors, these errors strike at the family, want to destroy the patriarchy. Why is Marxism so against the family and the father? Because they have authority. And Marxism believes that the state should have authority. You know who has authority? The family. That's where it should be because that's where God placed it. And ultimately, families under God. And so we must look as a family under God that we need to stand and stay as one nation under God and your family, one family under God. No state can take that away. I'm not getting political. I'm saying that your family and my family has to stay under the authority of God. And that authority was given to the family to raise you in the faith, to be with you in the faith. And that is what our society today wants to destroy. Destroy the patriarchy, destroy the family, destroy the church. Mary promised that ain't gonna happen. And the church in scripture says that ain't gonna happen. But we gotta do our part. We gotta pray and do penance. That's the message of Fatima. Pray and penance, pray and penance. That's the message. That is the answer of what Mary says to do at Fatima. There is hope. There is hope, why? Because we got the two greatest spiritual weapons of our time in Jesus, the divine mercy, and the immaculate heart of Mary. The sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary, and we just celebrated them the last two days. God bless all of you for being a part of that. And stay with us because we're going to keep going on these first Fridays and these first Saturdays. 
There's nothing more important that we can do right now than to stay close to our Lord through his church in the sacraments and by doing these requests. You know, I'm jumping in the car right now, so you're lucky I got to end. I'm heading up to Orysville, New York. I'll be at the Shrine of the Holy Martyrs, or the North American Martyrs. If you're anywhere around there, if you're in surrounding states, come on out, by and see me. I'd love to talk with you. I'll be there at two o'clock. So in an hour and 40 minutes, if you're within that distance, come on out. Or even if you're a little farther, you can still catch me at the end. I'm gonna bring some books to sign. I'll do some um, giveaways. I got some books to sign. God bless you. We hope we'll see you there. And so before I give the final blessing, uh, speaking of my book, if you can't make it, Giuseppe will show on the screen. You can get a copy of my book for any donation. It's called Understanding Divine Mercy. Father, I only got a dollar. Hey, that's enough. Take it. God knows what you can afford. It retails at $14.95, but you can get it at thedivinemercy.org slash UDM for Understanding Divine Mercy or call. Operators are there, 800-462-7426. And then quickly, I want to say on our next slide, if you're not a Marian helper yet, these are the kind of graces you don't want to miss please join us at micprayers.org or .com. Either one works, takes less than 10 seconds. There's no cost. Become a Marian helper. And then finally, I really want to meet you guys. And I've already met some of you. Paris and others have already come by the shrine. God bless you. And I hope to meet you. We'll be doing a pilgrimage. I invite you to come on one of the two pilgrimages or both. My first pilgrimage is with Stephen Ray. Look up on your screen, October 14th through the 24th of this year in the footsteps of St. Paul. We'll be doing a Mediterranean cruise. It is open right now, not requiring a vaccination. You are open to go. It is an incredible time. If you don't know Stephen Ray, good friend of mine, amazing. Would love to have you on our cruise and on our pilgrimage. And finally, if you can't do that, the Shrines of France on June 20th through July the 2nd of next year. I'll be going with De Deacon Harold Silvers, great guy. Join us on that pilgrimage as well if you can. And so God bless all of you. Uh, there will not be a talk next week, so that's why I went long this week. I'll be going and doing a Saturday women's conference in Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you can join us, if you're in that area, ladies, please come. You can Look it up online. It's uh, the Women's Conference out of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And um, I'm going to be there speaking next Saturday. So you have a break in your seminary courses. It's kind of like when there's a class day that's uh, canceled. You can catch up on your other homework. You got 53 other episodes now to watch. God bless all of you. And may Our Lady's Immaculate Heart be wide open for you simply to walk under her protection. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org.
Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.